those are some of my absolute favorite songs. Um, I, oh, I mean, just going down the line, brother, uh, brother Reed got up to do the Rejoice in the Lord, and I was like, man, what a lineup today, brother. This is some excellent songs, some of my favorites, and uh, I don't know if you, can, if you can stand there and sing those songs and not have a smile on your face, not be excited about what God's done for us, then I, I, you, you definitely need to come to the altar this morning, because, man, great songs, so. All right, well, I am filling in for, for Pastor Reno while he is gone, so you got the, I don't know, second, third string, fourth string, I don't know, I'm somewhere uh, behind Brother Creek and Brother Springer, I don't know where I fit in, but uh, you're getting one of us today, so um, somewhere down the line. I'm, I, I'm not on the bench today, I'm in the pulpit, so I'm excited to be here, and I hope you're excited to be in the house of the Lord today, this place that we have come together to consecrate for God's worship. Uh, we, we have an excellent building, a lovely building, but it's not... It's not the building that makes this place special. It's the congregation. It's this church body, this church family, and I am happy to be here with you guys today. All right. If you have your Bibles, um, I'm. By the way, I'm already sweating today like crazy. I taught the teen class this morning, and uh, I was I was given the opportunity to do that. And I, the teens will tell you if you ask any of them, I was running back and forth in that classroom this morning, just going going absolutely crazy, and I told them it had nothing to do with how much caffeine I had this morning. It was just all Holy Ghost. Uh, just I was just just going crazy this morning. We got, uh, looking around, we got a lot of, a lot of the young kids today, because Super Church, uh, we've been doing, uh, I know Brother Reed's been having the kids come up front every uh, once or twice a month. I can't remember, once a month, twice a month, I don't know. And uh, they come up here, and they, they, that way they can get acclimated to, because eventually they're going to go from super church to the youth group, and they're going to be expected to be up here every day and uh, every Sunday and, 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 and know how to sit and listen and pay attention and not get all the kids' songs that they normally do. You guys got it easy when we sing these hymns. You just stand there and sing. And we're, when I'm in the back with those kids, we're up, down, left, right, running around, acting crazy, having a grand old time. And uh, I think some of us, uh, would have a heart attack if we tried doing that nowadays. I, I tell you, I'm in the back, and I'll stand, and I'll sing those songs with the kids, and I run around, and I get done. And I, I'll go, and I'll take, a, I'll take a rest on the side. And, oh, man. But I'm glad these, these kids are here, and my daughter's already asleep. Look at that. <laughs> I am that boring. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, hope we can only go uphill from here then, right? All right. So uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, and uh, we're going to read about one of my favorite, favorite Bible characters, and uh, in Acts chapter 6, and uh, we're going we're gonna to get started in verse 1. I hear some pages turning. If you're, if you're still looking for it, that's okay, but uh, I've got, I, I normally try to pare it down to one page of notes when I'm preaching because I tend to go long, and I've got two pages, so, uh, but I will still get you out in time. Um, uh, you know, unless, unless the Holy Spirit leads otherwise, but we'll, we'll see where that goes. So Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1, and the Bible says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called, uh, called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should uh, leave the word of God and serve tables, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among, your, uh, among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost uh, and wisdom, uh, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In verse 5, 
And the Lord, uh, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, uh, and now these, these names get a little weird, so uh, Porcus is what I call him, and Nacor, <laughs> and Timon, and Parmenes, and Nicholas, and a proselyte of Antioch. So Nicholas was a proselyte of Antioch. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed and laid hands on them, uh, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and they did, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you so much for dying on the cross for my sins, for giving me the privilege to stand here and to preach from your word, Lord. And I pray that you would help me not to say anything uh, that I shouldn't, Lord, that you would uh, help me to preach only that which uh, would be used for the edification of this church body. And I pray you'd help me to, uh, to be bold and faithful in what you've laid on my heart. I pray that you'd help us all to, to take these words to heart, we would, uh, that we would not sit and linger in, in, in our lives, but Lord, that we would open our hearts, that we would let you uh, search us, that you would clean us, and Lord, that we would uh, change ourselves, that we would conform ourselves to your image, Lord, that we would seek to be more like you, that we would be Christ-like, and Lord, that we would be uh, filled up with your Holy Spirit and ready to preach. We love you, we praise you for all that you do, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... Uh, leading up to all this, we, we know that just not too many days prior to this whole event and not too many weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless, perfect life, uh, and went, went to the cross, uh, though many didn't understand the reasons why at the time, and many fought against it. Even his own disciples would try to change that if they could. Uh, they didn't understand that he must suffer and that he had to die on the cross so that we could have salvation from sin. And just like he said, he rose again on the third day, and we have hope that we can someday rise again. Uh, if, he, if he tarries and we pass on, we will rise again and meet him in the air. We will see him again someday, and what a wonderful uh, blessing that is. Uh, but the, the disciples, the church is growing uh, it's a lot of cool things are happening. The Holy Spirit's come uh, and, and, and filled and indwelled the church, and, and a lot is happening. And uh, in Jerusalem, I could only imagine being in Jerusalem at the time, and, and the, the disciples are going out and preaching, and we had the day of Pentecost, which is recorded in chapter 2, and just all these things that are happening. And uh, the, the church is growing so much that the People are looking for the disciples to, hey, you've got to help here, and you've got to minister here, and we've got to get this done, and we've got to, uh, and there's always stuff to do at the church. There's always things to do, and believe me, uh, if you don't have a place that you're plugged in, if you don't have a place to serve, I encourage you to find one. I think we should all find a place where we can plug in and serve, even if there's just a little bit. Um, you know, if it, if I, I, I was here the other day, and there was ladies that come and, and organize the chairs and organize the, the hymn books, and there's people that come in and, and clean the church, and there's people that do the yard work all around, and there's people that, uh, there's people moving every single place, kid, uh, adults that teach in the children's classes. We've got people that help with the teen group. We have people that take teens out on retreats and things like that. There's people, there's, there's involvement that's needed. 
And some of that might be unseen and, and some of it might not be glamorous or glorious, but it is needful. But the disciples said, we need to be studying, we need to be sharpening ourselves in the Word of God. We need to uh, be ready to preach and we need to be ready to give an answer. And, and so they said, we need you to search out seven men among you. And so they, they looked to themselves and, and notice they said that they were to pick out uh, men who were full of faith. Full of faith. And my lesson today, my message is called filled up. Are you filled up? Is what I want to challenge you with today. And we're going to talk about Stephen. The Bible says in chapter, in verse 7, it says, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multitude in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Um, we see, or that's the wrong verse. Hold on. Let me go back. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes, and I should be looking at my Bible. Verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So I, I apologize for that. I'm, I'm excited. I'm nervous. It's all, it's all good. So, but Stephen, Stephen was one of the first deacons that we can see in the Bible. And he was selected because he was full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Stephen was, and, and I talked with the teens this morning. Our whole lesson this morning was just on faith. What is faith? How do we describe faith? How do we, uh, how do we show examples of our faith? What do we do with our faith? And Stephen was full. And I, I asked the teens, I said, is faith quantifiable? Is it measurable? And I, I got some, some teens looking at me, and I got one that was like, no. And then I kind of looked at him, he's like, no. You know, he kind of he second-guessed himself. And uh, is it able for us to measure faith? Not as much. I mean, we can't see the heart. We can't measure out faith. But when Jesus was here on the earth, he would look at somebody and say, ye are of little faith. He would look at another person, uh, sometimes a, a poor widow woman, or a, and he would say, oh, great faith. I have not seen such great faith in Israel. And he would say that some people have uh, little faith or no faith. And so we see that there is a measure of faith. Um, Stephen was full of faith. If you take a glass, of, a glass and you start filling it with water, eventually it gets full. You can't put any more water in that cup. And, uh, and just reading over all this, Stephen was a man full of faith. And uh, my hope and my prayer every single day, and I talked with the teens about this, is being a vessel God can use. We talked about this at Teen Thaw, um, being a vessel that God can use. Now, I want to be a vessel that's filled with faith, filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to live for God every single day. Does that mean I do it? No. I struggle. I, I, you know, I fall short so many times, but uh, I, I gave them the illustration of my, my coffee cup, the cup that I keep with me all the time. I, I always have a cup of coffee on me. It's, uh, it's actually down there with my wife right now. Um, but uh, that coffee cup, it's always ready for service. But uh, oftentimes I have to take that cup and I have to rinse it out because it gets full of coffee grounds and it gets dirty and it get, you know, I drop it or something happens and I got to clean that cup. And I want to live a life that's full of faith, but sometimes I got to open up my heart and say, God, you got to clean me. You got you to purge all this iniquity and sin from me. Lord, I, I've, I've fallen short here and I've done this wrong and I have to keep a close communion with God and I have to, I have to strive to know him better every single day. But I want to be full of faith. 
Stephen was selected because he was full of faith. He was selected for a purpose. He had a distinct ministry that he needed to, to fulfill. They were, they were uh, murmuring that the, that the widows were neglected. And so one of his duties was to help meet the needs of uh, those in the church that maybe couldn't uh, meet their needs themselves, such as the orphans and the widows and people that would need assistance in those things. And that's one of the things that Stephen would do. Uh, that he was also selected... Uh, he was for that purpose, but also because, again, full of faith. He was a man of conviction. He was a man that was studying. He was a man that was trying to grow closer to God. He was an example to the Christians around him. And so Stephen had a distinct calling. He was chosen. He was selected to serve God. But Stephen, Stephen when, he, when he was selected, uh, and oftentimes... Uh, when, when, when you're given a task to do, you, you, you either rise to the occasion or you just kind of pitter off or you just, you know, scoot by. Uh, Stephen was one that went, rose to the occasion and then just went above and beyond. Uh, Stephen was uh, given uh, the, this charge and he took it seriously. And the Bible says that he went out in verse 8 that he preached with power, full of the Holy Ghost. I mean, just... Let's look at verse 9. We're going to talk about, we're, we're going to kind of work through all of chapter 6. It's not a very long chapter, but in verse 9 it says, And there, were, there arose certain of, of the synagogue, which are, called, uh, which are called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenes and the Alexandrians, and of them uh, the Sicilia of Asia disputing with Stephen. And, there were, and they were not able to resist the wisdom of the Spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemy against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came unto him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemies, uh, words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered, un, uh, delivered us. And all that sat in the council, uh, looking steadfastly upon him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Man. So Stephen, given this commission, he's given a calling, and he's, he starts doing what God has called him to do. He's meeting the needs, but... At the same time, you cannot serve God and not talk about him. <laughs> and so while Stephen's out serving God, he gets into a dispute. And we're going to talk about the dispute of Stephen. We see this in verse, verses 8 through 15, the dispute of Stephen. He's talking with these people, and, and they're getting upset because he's preaching the gospel. And they say, that's not right. That's not, you shouldn't preach about Jesus. That's not what we've been told. That's not what Moses gave to us. And, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but... Um, they, they were upset, but he did the works of God. I talked about with the teenagers that faith, Stephen being full of faith, faith, if you look in Hebrews, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Jude, if you look in the book of Jude, it says that faith is a holy faith. If you have faith, if you're filled up with faith, uh, that is a holy thing. And you cannot put that which is holy and that which is profane together. And so Stephen, if he's whole, full of faith, uh, he's living, he's all in, he's filled up. He is 100% go, go, go for Christ. And so 
He is, he is doing that which he should, and he is going to stand up against that which is evil and that which is wicked. And so, uh, but we can see that he has given us an example to follow. He got out and he started uh, discussing these things, that he was giving an answer for the reason of the hope that is in him. Uh, Stephen would study and he would, he would preach. And those are all things that we're called to do. He did the works of God. He followed the example. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that we're to follow the faith of those that have the rule over us the, the, and look into their conversation that we're to, uh, for those that serve God and are doing right, we should follow that faith and we should, we should watch them and we should learn from them and we should grow alongside them. And what better example than Jesus Christ and the Bible says, if we look back at verse 8, full of faith and power did great wonders and miracles among the people. Uh, you can go back to the, uh, the Gospels, and what did Jesus do a lot of the time? He was out there preaching, doing miracles, doing great wonders. And Stephen said, well, if Jesus is going to do it, I'm going to just try and be like Jesus. And so he was out there doing what Christ would have done, following the example of Christ. He did the works of God. He followed the example that had already been laid before him. The example that the disciples had set on the day of Pentecost when they stood up and they preached. Stephen's like, that's what I got to do. If we look at the Gospels, we can, every single Christian, if you are a born again, saved Christian, if you have the faith of God in you, you are called to preach. Some people say, well, I'm a girl, I'm not supposed to preach. And that the when it comes to that sense, you are to proclaim the gospel. Amen. We're to preach the word. I love it in the gospels where it says, preach the word to every creature. If you don't have the, if you don't have the courage and the gumption to go preach to a, to a person, go, go down to the, the road. There's a, there's a park down the hill. And we always, when I was growing up, we'd go visit. We call it the duck pond park. Okay, because it has a pond. It's full of ducks. If you can't preach to a person, go preach to the ducks. Preach to every creature. Because you know what? There's a lot of... Uh, we live in Washington State. Let's not sugarcoat it. There's, there's people that are living in the bushes here and there and everywhere. And you could, go, you could go to the park and preach to the ducks, and there could be some person living in the bushes right there that you don't even know is there. You're preaching to that duck, and that person hears it. Amen. We should have that kind of faith. I, I can't get over stories of people that, who, who, who the world would say can't get out, can't share the gospel, can't do this, that, and they do it anyways because that's what God would want them to do. Some of my favorite stories of of, of, of children. Um, one comes to mind where a little, uh, I can't remember if it was a little boy or a little girl got sick and couldn't leave their room, but they would ask for Bible tracks, uh, Bible material, and they would, and, and, and a box of rocks. And they would sit and they would stuff a rock in the track and then throw it out their window. And when that girl died, and that, that, that uh, and I'll have to look up the information, so if you want to ask me, I can tell you all about it. I've talked about this before, but there was people at her funeral that said, I was walking down the road one day and I got hit in the head and I read this track and I came to this church and I got saved. Couldn't get out of bed, but was, that's not going to stop me. Praise the Lord. God will use that. We sing a song in Sunday school with the little kids. The word of God is like an itty-bitty seed scattered all around. I, I, I joked around about preaching to the ducks, but if that's all you can do, you get out there, you preach the word of God, you spread the seed, and the Bible says that it won't return void. We cast our bread upon the water. We put out our heart. We put out our soul. We do the, word, the will of God, and it's not going to come back void. 
It will return. We will see return on that investment. But we got to preach. And it's a command from the Bible. You can't look at, you cannot read through the Bible. You cannot make it through the Gospels and, and see that. And, and by the way, when I was reading and studying for this, I have been convicted so many times. I have just been, I've been on this emotional roller coaster of highs and lows and saying, I need to do better here and I fall short here. But I'm, praise the Lord, God save me and I can do this and I can do this. It has been a roller coaster for me just studying up on Stephen. And by the way, Stephen, when he spoke, uh, when, we, when we teach, we need, to, we need to go right back to the Word of God. Uh, that is the power, but uh, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit in the joints and the marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, you hold in your hands, if you brought your church, your, if you brought your Bible to church today, you hold an incredibly powerful weapon that we oftentimes, and I am so guilty of it too, we go home and it's like, well, I'll use that next Sunday and set it on the shelf. Uh, I have so many Bibles. I got one in my car. I got one on my shelf. I keep one in my backpack. I got one at, one at work. But, it's, but I, don't, I don't hold and I don't cling to it and I don't study it so many times like I should. And, and, and just going through, we've had the 90-day Bible reading challenge too. And uh, man, that, that has been a blessing uh, just getting in. And I, I actually finished this, this, this past week. I texted my wife while I was at work. I was like, yeah, I just got through Revelation. And, uh, and so, I mean, I was, I was in these passages not too long ago and and reading about Stephen, and reading uh, through Hebrews, and that's where I was with the teens this morning. But man, the Word of God is powerful, and, and I, I, I've got, I joke around, but the, one of the reasons why I feel like I've got so much energy this morning is because the past several days, I've just been in my Bible, and just trying to get every ounce out so I can study, so I can know God better, so I can, so I can preach with power, and that I can, that I can convey the message as I should. And I tell you, when you're in your Bible, that's exciting. When you start looking, it's like, whoa, I didn't, if you take that and you bring it over here, it's like, whoa, these tidy. It's amazing. But Stephen, he used the word of God and his, his, his arguments, they couldn't rebuke them. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't stand against them. In verse 10, it says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. What's the spirit in which he's speaking? The Holy Spirit. He's full of faith. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of power. Stephen is just top-notch, filled up. That car is full of gas, and it is ready to go. If you don't believe in gas cars, his EV is all charged up and ready to go. I don't know. Uh, but he is moving forward. Stephen. The power of his speech, undisputable. God had given him a message, and he is proclaiming it. And when God puts the message on your heart, when God tells you to preach, if you are out there and you are, you are sharing the gospel and you are using God's word, nothing can stand against that. But then you get asked the hard questions. And it's so easy to go through and, and to take a Bible track and say, okay, this is how you can get saved. And you start on the Romans road, just do, 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 do. And then they ask, well, like, where did God come from? Well, um... He, uh, 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 and that's why we need to know our Bibles. That's why we need to study. That's why we need to be in them every single day so you can look and say, God is eternal. God has been there from the beginning. God created all that exists. You can't say, where did God come from? Because he's always been. 
God has no beginning. He's just been there. He spoke the worlds. He spoke everything into, into existence. Uh, I believe in a big bang. It's when God said, let there be light. When God said, let there be everything that was made. That was the bang. God's voice shattering the darkness. Okay, so if, I don't believe in a big bang where all the dust and the... No, God just spoke up. Okay. Man, I'm excited. All right. So, but let's look at... So Stephen, he's preaching... He's, he's full of power. He's full of the Holy Ghost. He's just going. He's giving it all he's got. And then the tactics of the accuser. And I'm sorry, I cannot read this passage and going into the next one without drawing so many parallels to today. So if you think, if you think the world's in bad shape, it's been like this for a long time. But uh, part of the reason it's in the shape it's in is because Christians don't stand up and preach like they should. All right, so the tactics of the accusers, deflection. If you can't defend yourself, you immediately change the subject. Well, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about something else. Um, deflection. The Bible says that they suborned. I've always read that word wrong when I was reading the Bible. I, I would look at that, and I, my brain would just see S, oh, there's a B in there, so I would read stubborn. I was like, they were stubborn men. They didn't want to listen. No, they suborned men. Anybody know what that word suborned means? You're an English teacher. You know that one? Yeah, deceive. Um, I put it in uh, suborn, to procure, to take a false oath, or to do a bad action. So they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna change the subject by bringing in people like, hey, you guys just like start saying stuff that's not true. We're going to change the subject. So they, they brought in people secretly to deceive, and they followed through in doing a bad action. And then notice, they said that, uh, when, they're, when, they're, when they're trying to accuse him, that man blasphemed Moses. I'm sorry, there's, there's little kids in here. I draw extra excitement from little kids. I just, they're giggling at me. I'm, that makes me happy. So, um, But that man blasphemed Moses. Okay. <laughs> but they said he blasphemed Moses and against God. In their comparison, he blasphemed Moses and, and, and God. And they, they put Moses at an elevation that's greater than God. That's putting the cart before the horse. Now, if he were to blaspheme God, the whole, the whole structure is going to come down. You can't, you can't blaspheme God. You can't blaspheme this person and, and, and then God. You're going to go straight for God. Okay? If you're going to blaspheme, don't do that. Anyhow, um, but they, they, they're, they're trying to elevate the message and the law and the things that Moses gave them over that which God had given them and the intent of the law. And we know that, the, the, that Jesus would say that the law is our schoolmaster. It was there to show us that we can't be perfect. It was there to show us that we needed Christ, that he had to die for our sins. According to the law, there had to be a sacrifice to pay for our sins. That's what the law was for. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And so he's not, he's not preaching against the law of Moses. He's preaching that the law of Moses has been fulfilled. But they want to say, oh, no, 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 no. Moses did. That's not what Moses meant. And because that's not what Moses meant, that's obviously not what God meant. You can, you can take a lot out of context uh, from the Bible, but that they deceived it. And, and then when they, can't, when they can't 
get through on their deception, when they can't uh, get through on their deflection, then they immediately go to attack Stephen himself. They go to attack Stephen. And false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to preach blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. We talked about this already. Uh, they're, they're probably near the temple. They're at the synagogues. Uh, they're at places that have been consecrated for worship. I have been going to this church since I was very little. I've seen a lot of changes in this church building. But I'm going to let you know, this building, there's nothing grand or exceptional about it, except for this church worships here. Uh, we could choose not to meet here next week. We could go somewhere else. And the building would sit empty. The building does not hold exceptional power in and of itself. The tabernacle was, was a building. It was designed to point people to Christ. The temple, the same way, was designed to point people to God. But they were just buildings. This, this, this is just a building. So how can I, how can I defame the building? The temple no, those things are there just to point us to Christ. Okay? So immediately you can see in their defamation, they're, they're accusing and they're, they're tearing down Stephen, but their arguments for tearing down Stephen are invalid. And then it gets to that, that, that last part. The, let's talk about the power of Stephen's presence. We get to that last verse, verse, verse uh, eight, 15, 15. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him and saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Does that mean he looked pretty? Like, like there was an aura. Not quite. Uh, I, I have three points here. Poised, powerful, and purposeful. Okay. This, this particular reference to an angel would be a, a messenger, a proclaimer, a herald of God's glory. And I, so when, we were doing, when I was reading up on this, I looked up every single instance that an angel has ever been talked about in the Bible and things that angels do and how they've, uh, angels were sent to proclaim God's glory and angels were sent to guard people from sin, to guard people from wrongdoing. I stopped and looked at... Uh, 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 re reading over when Balaam is riding his donkey and the angel of the Lord's, he's like, hey, you're going the wrong way, dude. And he's standing in the way. And Balaam's too blinded by his greed, by his, by his self-worth, by his own pride that he does not see the angel, but his donkey does. The angels are there to protect us. Angels oftentimes go and they, they fight the battles ahead of us. When we pray and we ask God because we want to witness and we want to, we want to uh, do things for God, we pray and we ask God to help us. And he will oftentimes send angels ahead of us. Sometimes it's another person to, to till the soil so we can plant the seed. But God will prepare things and he will send angels before us. This is not an uncommon thing. We see it all the way through Scripture. And by the way, there was a lot of angels that were preaching before Stephen came on the scene. And there was a lot of soil that had been turned, and there was a lot of opportunity. These people, their hearts have been worked over. And we can see in the verses up ahead uh, uh, prior that many priests, people that probably not too many days prior were on the side that were saying, crucify, 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 are now amongst the church and saved. There's power in what is happening. 
There's power in the church. And why? Because they're filled up. I'm sorry, if I was sitting in a courtroom and I was being accused, if I was being, if I was being defamed, if I, was, if I just had all these things happening in me and there was people lying, I'm not sure I would look like I had the face of an angel. Uh, I, would look, I would probably look upset, mad, uh, concerned, scared, might even be crying. Not Stephen. We can look in the Old Testament and, and sometimes when people saw the face of an angel, it was, it was described as terrible, holding power that would, power and presence that would demand your respect, demand your focus, demand that you were keen and locked in. Terrible. He sat there poised. I don't know if he was sitting. I don't know if he was standing. I really don't know what Stephen was doing. I think he was standing because I, I can't sit for, you know, anyhow. But uh, he, was, he was poised. He was confident. There was no fear on Stephen's face. There was no fear in Stephen's heart. He was power. He was, I mean, I bet you they could see it on his face. He was just ready to let loose. Something, something's bubbling up inside Stephen, <laughs> and it's about to fly. And he's purposeful. He knows exactly why he is there. He knows that God has given him a command to preach. He knows that he is there to spread the gospel. He knows what he is doing. He knows he must be about his father's business. And I'm, I'm almost done. But I mean, the defense. Stephen, and we're not going to read all of chapter 7 pretty much is Stephen's defense. And we're not going to read through it uh, for sake of time. Because um, that would take a lot. It's, it's uh, 53 chapters or verses that Stephen goes and defends himself. But his defense, he immediately, if we were to look at chapter 7, then I want you, this is your homework. How many times does preacher give homework? <laughs> this is your homework. Read through chapter 7. Read through the testimony that Stephen gives. But he immediately starts pointing out the, the shared and common history that he has with those people that are sitting around. And he points out how God had worked in the Old Testament and how God had worked in, in, the, in the life of Abraham and in Moses and bringing up all these things and bringing them out of the land of Egypt and how God's hand was powerful and all of that and how all of that would point to Jesus Christ. And he, I mean, you have to remember, he, Stephen didn't have the Romans road. Now, Paul's not even saved yet to write the book of Romans. <laughs> By the way, if it weren't for Stephen, I'm not sure Paul would have got saved. I think, I think Paul, or Stephen, is one of the reasons Paul did get saved. But uh, he, he immediately goes back to the scriptures. He immediately goes back to referencing the Old Testament to the word of God and the, and the examples that are there. Again, our power, our, anything that we can do, it comes through God's word. If you want to have a discussion with somebody at work, if you want to have a discussion with somebody out in, in, in the world out there and you want to talk about the things of God, you've got to drive them back to the word. And so he does all this. And then we get to uh, uh, verse, let me double check. I got to flip over. Uh, we get to verse uh, 51. 51. And so he's gone through his defense He's gone through all this, and then he looks at his accusers. He looks at the people on the council. He looks at all these people, and this is very pointed in verse 51. And he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye 
always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers, so do ye, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and have not slain them, which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who received the law by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it. He said, you saw the prophets. Your forefathers, they saw the prophets and they persecuted them. You saw Jesus Christ. You saw Jesus preaching and you persecuted him. You put him to death. You're the guilty ones. And he took everything that was laid on him and he turned around and said, yeah, let me lay it out. Here it is. And they didn't like that. They didn't like that. And we read on. Verse 54. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. There was, there was immediate change right there, and they knew they needed to respond. And when you come to that same point that these men and women were there, when the word of God is preached and you are convicted, they are, you're cut to your heart. And you can respond one of two ways. Or you should respond one of two ways, but there are two options. You can follow the option that they took and reject it. Or you can receive and you can, you can accept the gift of God. And you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. When you're brought to that moment and Stephen, standing in front of all these people, preached and he brings them every single person there to that moment. They were cut to their heart. And then they, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They start insulting him. They start yelling at him. They start, they just lay into him. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes to, at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen's death. Stephen boldly preaching led to Stephen's death. Stephen's ministry, short. I think he did exactly what God would have wanted him to do in that moment. But the death of Stephen, immediately they were threatened and they came to that point and instead of, instead of responding and, and yielding to God, no, they, they lashed out and they yelled. And then even when he goes to preach on, they said that they stopped and da, 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 da. they plugged their ears. I'm not, little kids. I'm not looking at da, 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 da. Yeah. We live in a day and age, if you say something that people disagree to, what do they do? They yell you down. How dare you speak? You're a bigot. You're hateful. You're this. You're that. And they'll just go on and on and on. They won't let you speak. They won't let you talk. They did that in the Old Testament. They did that in, they've done that for years. That is human nature. When your pride is offended, oh, I don't like that. I don't want you to talk no more. Makes me think of when, when I was a kid, there was that whole talk to the hand thing. Talk to the hand. <laughs> um, 
But they told, they basically told Stephen, talk to the hand because we ain't listening and now there's a rock in my hand. And they started throwing these rocks. But I want to end on this point. Stephen died a martyr's death and I think, I think he truly just fell asleep and then died. I don't think he suffered too much. The Bible says he fell asleep. You know, he probably got hit by a rock or two and then was like, oh, he's out sleeping. God's like, time to come home. But I want to point this out, and this is, this is an amazing truth to me, and I'm going to be done in just a minute, but when Stephen, when they started yelling at him, and I think Stephen knew where this was going. I think Stephen knew what was going to happen. And by the way, when they stoned him, that wasn't okay. That was against their laws. He had done nothing to deserve that. Uh, so they were, they were blind with rage. They were blind with hate. They, were, they, they had their itching ears. They only wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. <clears throat> and so, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, looking steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And I'm sorry, that, that just gets me going. That is amazing. When Jesus Christ died, and I mentioned the temple, I mentioned the tabernacle. All of that is to be a picture of Jesus Christ. All of that is to show who God is. And you can look, and when the priests, and Jesus Christ being our great high priest, when the priests are in the temple, they are to be doing the work the whole time. All the pieces of furniture that you will find in the temple and in the tabernacle, you've got the table of showbread showing that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. You've got the laver where, we, where Jesus Christ can wash away our sins. You've got the altar. You've got the, the candlestick. Jesus being the light of the world. All of these things and the utensils and the cups, everything is to point to God, point to Jesus Christ. But the one piece of furniture that you would never find in the temple, that you would never find in the tabernacle is a chair. Because as long as that priest was in the, and the tabernacle and the temple were to be manned 24-7, there was to be a person there should somebody come in and need to, to commune with God in that manner and the way that that worship was set up. 24-7, as long as you were in the temple, you were on the clock, you were busy, there was no time to rest. To sit is to show rest, to show that your job is done. Jesus' position in this, in this passage is very peculiar to me and it's, I think, amazing because the Bible says when Jesus died uh, in, in John chapter 19 and verse 30, uh, and when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. And then you can look in every uh, other passage of scripture in the New Testament where it talks about Jesus. It'll either just mention that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father or it will specifically state uh, in 1 Peter 3.18 and Hebrews 9.28 and Hebrews 10.10, it would, or excuse me, Mark 16.19, Colossians 3.1 and Hebrews 10.12, uh, that he is seated or sat down at the right hand of the Father. When he said, it is finished, he, when he made his way to heaven, the Bible says that he sat on the right hand of the Father because his work was done, 100% finished. And yet, when Stephen is about to die, Jesus Christ would stand up to usher in the soul of the first martyr of the New Testament into heaven. I don't know if he stands when every single Christian dies, but he was standing at the right hand of the Father 
waiting for Stephen. Full of grace, full of, not grace, full of faith, full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus Christ stood at the right hand of the Father because we know he sat when it was finished. That is a huge, powerful symbolism. When Jesus Christ finished the work, he sat at the right hand of the Father because he proclaimed when he died, it is finished, my work is done, I'm going to sit down. And yet he stood at the right hand of the Father when Stephen looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. There is power in the position that Jesus Christ took right there. Uh, we stand to show respect. We stand to show when somebody's done a good job. We stand. Uh, oftentimes when a ruler, if a ruler were to stand before a subject, it was to show respect. It was to show that they have done a good job. Uh, if you look at the monarchies throughout history, uh, if, whether they're being knighted or they're doing some honor to a person, they will never do an honor to a person sitting down. They are to stand. Jesus, I, I hope and I pray, I don't know. Like I said, this is the only time in, in the New Testament where you will see Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of the Father. And he's, when Stephen died, he stood. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if he stands for every saint that goes on to glory, if it's just for martyrs, if it was just for Stephen, but the Bible says he looked into heaven and he saw Jesus Christ standing on the right hand of the Father. I hope, I pray, and I, I'm, I, am, I, I am so uh, up and down as a Christian. And some days I'm on, I'm on top of the world, and I feel like God's doing awesome things. And then the next day it's like, man, I can't do anything right. But I can't stay that way. I, I got I to gotta clean up. I got to let God work. I got I to gotta get into my Bible. I got to fellowship with the believers. And I have, to, I have to rely on the encouragement from those around me and give it just as much so that I can be on top of that mountain, so I can be close to God, that I can be used the way that I ought to be. And I, studying for this, this message, there are things I see that I need to fix. I see things that I'm, I might be doing okay in, but I can't let that slide. And the challenge is, what are you going to do? Are you going to be filled up for God? Or are you just going to be the fire insurance Christian? I've got faith. The, the, the person that drives on the road, and the, 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 uh, the empty tank, the empty on the gas tank, the light's on. It's like, ah, I can go another 10 miles. Be okay. I've been there. We can't live that kind of life. We should be like Stephen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, we should follow the faith of those that have the rule of those that have gone before. And the faith of Stephen would be an excellent one to follow. If you don't like the way the world is going, if you don't like the way things look, we're just told to get out and preach. And God will do the rest. So, but when he ended it all, and I want to show this, this came from God. He said, he, he was compassionate when it all ended. And he kneeled down and cried with, uh, in verse 59. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. And, and laid down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said that, this, he fell asleep. He was gracious and he was merciful in his death. 
the people that were killing him. And he asked that God would be merciful to those people. When people yell at us, when people revile us, when people are mean to us, and they say mean things, we're, we're to ask God to forgive them, ask God to be merciful towards them. Uh, by the way, one of those people that he asked mercy on would be Saul, Saul of Tarshish, who not too many chapters later would be on the road to Damascus and would see a bright light and would come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. And that made an impact on Saul because he, every there's in several books in the New Testament that he would reference, I was, at, I was the one consenting to the stoning of Stephen. Something about Stephen's testimony changed Paul. It shook him. And I pray that every single one of us can have a testimony like that, that our testimony, whether it's through life or in our death, that we would shake someone, that someone could know Christ through our life or through our death. And I pray that everyone here would seek that same thing. But, but we, all have, we all have a commandment to preach. We should be filled up Christians and ready to go. All right, let's pray.